With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, new episode of Dying Alive. The Penguins are one and two. We're going to catch up on everything you missed. Find out what's going on with Mike Matheson, Casper Kapanen, and we'll be joined by guests this week, the incomparable Rachel Dory, formerly of the New Jersey Devils, uh, going to join us on the podcast to talk about bad defensemen. Season three, Dying Alive. Jesse Marshall, the Athletic Pittsburgh, joined as always by two friends for the Soto Show this week. No late arrivals here, Michael. You made it. Look at I you. Made, I made it on time, punctual. You don't have that heavy breathing this week. Mm-hmm. None of that heavy breathing. I, uh, you sound relaxed. Last week, I I ran into my house to try to make it on time. You you did, you, you made it. You're here. I'm good this week. <laughs> Pat Damp, Pensblog.com, Patrick. My good friend, how are you? Good, man. Glad to be back. Excited for uh, our guest today. It's going to be a ton of fun. Everybody's got a little, uh, little bit of a positive ping, I think, here after that shootout. It could have been bad had that gone the other way. It'd be like a funeral pall. 0-3, starting 0-3 would have been very bad given the shortened season. Um, I think that was a very important win. Yeah, and that overtime, like, it, it, it maybe maybe this is just me being a cynic, but like watching that overtime, I was like, this has the feel where the Penguins dominate for three and a half minutes, and then the puck hits like a rut in the ice. Caps go down two on one and score and win. Well, I mean, especially uh, what with the second period, they they controlled, you know, ninety some plus percent of every shot and chance that was in the game, so when you do that and then don't reap the fruit of it, it sets you up for that one strike, quick kill, you know, night's over, have a good one. See you later type situation. And realistically speaking, and I think like the data would bear this out. I don't know. You know, I think if you looked at it on a grander scale of all the, where are we at now? 180 minutes, right? Of hockey, all but 15 of it's been really good, but the 15 has been so abysmally awful that uh, you know, it's pretty much responsible for where they're at. Yeah, I was pleased with how they bounced back yesterday because it kind of, for a little while, felt like it was about to go off the rails. Yeah, I mean, I really only caught, like, end of the second period, third period, and overtime of the Caps game. Uh, but, I mean, I, like, that and both the Flyers games, there was a lot to like that the Penguins were doing, I thought. But... The problem is we're in a shortened season, and there is no time for, well, you know what they're doing. It, it's it's good, and it's a good process. Like there there isn't much time for that. If it's not working or something's wrong, you got to fix it right away. 
Yeah, in the category of things that are too early to discuss in any level of sincerity, and this is a complete joke, but I'm going to mention it anyway, category. <laughs> it's a category twice. Uh, John Marino's best defenseman in the league right now, analytically. By any measure of data you can pull up. Hey, numbers don't lie. It's too early to it, really be serious about this. Here's the way I feel. It's too early if it doesn't go with the point I want to make. If it goes with the point I want to make, it's perfectly fine. So it's it's up there with uh, a lot of the sports pundits that are very mad that Steelers players have trash to talk on the Browns because it's a rivalry. Wait, no, it's not a rivalry because we lost, so we can't allow it to be a rivalry if we lose. Well, no. And now see here you're gonna you're 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 making sweeping generalizations that are affecting me because that's not what I'm saying. I'm what not, I'm I'm not, saying refer- I'm not is, referring to you. You are referring to me because my opinion is is that if you if you lose, what you should do is just shut up. You should shut up. You shouldn't say anything. Why are we talking? Why why are you talking? Because it's like, a rivalry, Jesse. Like the, that's what makes rivalries fun is you shit talk one if, another. But if somebody beats you, that's right? been your doormat for fifteen years. What does that matter? What does that matter? Why does how does, it, it how does that matter? matter? How does it matter today? How does it matter? How does it affect me now? So you're going full short term. You don't want the rivalry to be a rivalry. You want it to just be well, games do, at a time. I do. I hundred percent do. What well, how I are you don't. Gonna, how are you going to have bad blood if you're not talking shit? You have to let me finish. You have to let me finish. Now, if you wanted to refer to like, if you wanted to come out and say like, okay, we didn't play our best. Like, you know, I still hate them. You know, blah blah. If they beat you and then you say, well, they're going to lose next week. So what? So what? The game of significance in this equation was won by them. What happens happens post that game when you take the L no longer makes a difference because you took the L. You still took it. And by by just saying, well, they're going to lose next you're not taking the L. You haven't even accepted the fact that you've lost. Like, there are thousands of ways, in my opinion, to keep the spirit of what you mentioned. This is now a Steelers podcast. <laughs> without, without making yourself look like a horse's ass. Well, and I just we, think that the, the uh, route that was taken... We gotta let Mike get a point in. We have get a point in. The last thing I want to say is the, 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 the second instance of this, I think, was taken out of context... Because the the larger clip of the discussion wasn't played, yeah. and some of that was discussed, but I think my frustration was just in the immediacy of the whole thing. I'm done now. I was gonna say, just as a general thing, a- along with the immediacy, when you were running your mouth as soon as the game ends, there's no way that it doesn't just look like sour grapes ever. Yeah, that's fair. And Jesse fair. actually brought up the point I was going to say is the stuff with Claypool got taken out of context. Like he was complimentary and talked about how they didn't play well and all, and the Browns did play well when he was breaking down that film and everybody just clipped out the like, whatever, they're going to lose next week anyway. Like, and the same thing happened with Juju before the game when everybody was like, oh, you're just going to say the Browns are the Browns. It's like, yeah, Tomlin says that about everybody. Like he says it about every single team. Like it's what well, he was taking his coach's comments from the nameless gray faces thing over that, and over though, again. Because it was the tone of it was was what really bugged me. It, it, I, I don't this that to me is inconsequential. The bulletin board quote unquote stuff. I, it doesn't even bug me. 
I just think that if you're in a position of superiority, you should never do anything that be considered a branch of that nature. You know what I mean? Like, don't even give them the opportunity to put it up on the wall, you know, because anything is going to be taken as that me against the world, you know? So there was like almost no win in that. that, Well, that's, that's what I was like. like, You can't win. Like, that's what I was going to say. It's like, there's no winning in this regard for anybody. And I don't mean the game itself. I mean, well, that much is for sure. <laughs> like, like literally, like if, 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 if after the game, Claypool comes out and is like, well, you know, the Browns are great. And uh, we got to tip our hat. They did an awesome job. Blah, blah, blah. Every, I'd have hated to hear that. Every idiot would have got every idiot with a radio and a microphone, which includes us would have gone out and been like, this guy has no heart. He doesn't want to be in this rivalry. Does he even care? And then he comes out and says what he says. Everybody's like, Oh, well, you lost. Why are you talking? And it's like... Well, a lot of people, too, just probably want to do TikTok dances. can't. I, wanna, I think... I I, what kind t- of effect does that have on your psyche? I want to do TikTok dances, but I can't dance. What about you, Mike? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, inter- no interest. We should probably get back to talking about the Penguins. Can you do the electric slide? Like, if you go to a wedding, like you... Um... If lubricated enough, probably. <laughs> lubricated okay. is the word you go with? Just, you're disgusted by that. It's so gross. I'd have picked better ones, yeah. Like, just drunk, maybe, honestly. Right. That. It is what it is. Speaking of, I that third line. Ahead. Something else, that third line. Best third line in hockey right now. Yeah, what's I, the, I, don't, I don't know if that's true. I just made that up. The line that we thought was least important turned out to be the biggest one of all. They yeah. Look, they look really good. Um, I'm pleasantly impressed with Mark Jankowski because all I read was no production at all. I got a lot of um, dissent about that personally, just even on opening night, like a lot of people from Calgary are like, you big idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, well, I'm like, I'm watching it though right now. And I have seen it. Saw it in the scrimmages when he had a brace in that final scrimmage. Saw it on opening night with the goal. I mean, if he don't get me, we're all going to be frustrated by him at some point or another because he'll have some glorious chance, you know, that's like a run of the mill, nonsensical one that he'll just won't finish. <laughs> That'll yeah, probably like, happen like that, seven that or eight opening, times. The opening night goal was really nice, though, just the way he was spatially aware to find that little soft spot. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's it's a blessing and a curse right now that the third line has been as good as it's been because usually you want that to supplement your big guy your big guns going but right now the third line's the one driving the offense driving the bus right now and I don't know if they listened to the show and wanted to make us look stupid because that was all of our concerns <laughs> preseason we we're like oh I don't know this uh, this bottom six ain't gonna be able to produce and I th- well, I think we both Pat thought that uh, Brandon Tanner was gonna be on the fourth line. I didn't yeah, think that, that we all assumed that he'd be on third. Well, and then part of that was, you know, captain and being out, but uh, that certainly helped because, you know, you could sign him to a 30 year. I don't even, you could put up, you could turn him into a mortgage and I'd be fine with it <laughs> because the short term return is been great. I mean, goals aside, I'm going to even talk about that. Like penalty killing, you know, it's easy to see why that the line is so good defensively because it's just, they're so relentless. You know, and all three phases, really. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of us looked at the Tanev contract and just contracts in general. Um, 
in an inefficient way. Like we kind of looked at it as like, oh, he doesn't produce. Like, so is he really worth this money? Like we kind of discounted everything else he brings to the table in speed, forechecking, penalty killing ability, defensive zone ability, and occasionally chipping in. So like, you know, we're so focused in on when you sign a forward to like, oh, he can't be worth this much. He doesn't produce. Like, now that said, don't overweight things that aren't production, but Tanev's a rare guy where everything he brings to the table, he's worth what he's being paid at this point. Pretty lucky, no, agree or disagree, that uh, McCann did not get uh, more than a phone call and fine. He probably should have got a game. Yeah. Yeah, that was a bad hit. And that, that one kind of freaked me out for a moment because I felt like it was back in like the early 2000s and like Rico Fata got hurt and you're like, oh no, who's going to score now? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. there wasn't anybody else that was going to do it. You know what I mean? So I kind of had that like same almost terror, I guess we'll say, uh, with the McCann situation because, you know, not somebody that you really can afford to, to lose at this juncture. No, not right now. And I, I think... I think that it's it's on the way for that second line. I think you brought this up too, Jesse, whether it would be in an article or on Twitter, I can't remember. But it's there for the Malkin line right now. Like they just it just hasn't been going in. That's the big issue. Well, let's talk about that though, right? I, I don't I think that is true for Jason Zucker for sure. Um I mean well he had that breakaway against Carter Hart. Um the front door chance that he couldn't elevate against Simpsonov yesterday. Uh, that's just too off the top of my head when I can remember them. That's never good. Uh, but I don't know that it's, it's not that well, I guess if you're looking at, at Evgeny Malkin, you know, that horse drawing people used to talk about game of Thrones season where it was really beautiful horse drawing at mm-hmm. first. And at the end, the stick leg yeah, reverse that. And that's like what Malkin's doing. We had stick legs at the back with like a stick tail. And now it's like developing into a full horse. Uh, but Brian Rust is the one that like, I don't have a full opinion on yet. You know, I, I don't, I don't know that independently I've noticed him enough at even strength uh, for me really to have an opinion one way or another. Yeah, agreed. I, I like, but the reason I say I think it's there is it looks like they're there's like Gino's starting to get chances. Zucker's been getting chances. I am worried about Rust right now just because he, like you said, he's for the most part been invisible, and when you're on Evgeny Malkin's line. You can be a lot of things, and visible is not one of them. But, I mean, everything we just said, Mike, for, like, Zucker is also applicable to Jake Gensel, who I think has been equally, like, in the same positions, maybe not with the breakaways, but he, I mean, any, either one of them gets hot, and you're, you're in much better shape, let alone both at the same time. And they're, they're small distances away from being on the hot end, f- farther away from the cold end. Significantly so. I mean, eye test wise, though, I've, and this doesn't count the shootout goal, obviously, but eye test wise, I've noticed Gensel a lot more than I've noticed Rust. Like, he's involved, he's in the play, he's getting chances. I haven't seen a ton of that from Rust yet. I think, I do think, though, that Malkin getting better as the three games have gone on should, you, you have to think that might help Rust also. Well, we'll find out what happened bet- with this, you know, the long conversation that we're hearing about between Malkin and Sullivan. All positive, of course, 
but I believe that was Rob Rossi reported that in the athletic this morning that they had a sit down yesterday. It's not, if not yesterday, Saturday at some point to have a frank conversation about the what's up and what's going on. And I'm it's just not something I'm worried about in the long term. It's just, you wouldn't have liked to have started it out like this. You know, that's the frustrating part. Um, I think that the same is kind of applicable to the top defensive pairing. Not that they've been atrociously bad, but there's been undoomalin like moments. Yeah, go back need, to that second game. They just need to be more like themselves. Yeah, and with no scrimmage, you know what? You, what no, with no, no scrimmage, no, no preseason. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, it's hard to get that right out of the gate. Yeah, you can't even with scrimmages. You can't simulate that game ex- experience against an actual opponent. It also they're also being kind of overshadowed because of the performances of someone like Marino. Like he's playing so well that it, I think Marcus kind of, Patterson too, Pat. Yeah, Patterson. And then, I mean, Ruido and Ricola came in and were perfectly solid. So, I mean, Perfect. like it's – it's uh, Chad Ruido right now analytically is the best defenseman in the league, Pat. I mean, it's, it's, I don't think it's too early to start talking about Ruido for Norris, if we're being honest. I'm going to <laughs> I'm gonna have to cut that video of him going one-on-one with Ovechkin last night in the end of the third period. It was about three minutes left, I think. The Ovechkin – the fourth line got trapped out there against the Ovechkin line. Which was, and I don't know if anybody, know, I'm going to go off the beaten path now with this, but that was, I thought, a savvy move by the Caps to get that to work in their favor. Oh, yeah. But I don't know if you caught this. Sullivan did it right back to them about a minute and a half later. And he played it perfectly after a TV timeout and uh, f- faked them out real good. And that was what resulted in some of those chances at the end was the fact that Crosby got out there against the fourth line in the really critical moment of the fourth period. Yeah, and, and that's something I think is going to be fun this season about the two game little mini series with the home and home and coaching matchups. I have to start looking at like the shift charts and seeing if they change, you know, game after game or if people try to get away from certain matchups. Cause you can't, you know, uh, t- you can't change the system between the games, but you could certainly change the way you deploy your lines and who you put out against too. So um, el- elsewhere in hockey land, I don't. I wouldn't feel great if I was a Caps fan because those first two games against the Sabers, they had some deficiencies, but it's the Sabers. It's like who that you know what I mean. They're terrible. You could fall forward and win that game. Uh, also, also the I feel like the entire Caps roster is former Penguins. We're getting to that point. Yeah, there's really only two, right? Haglin, Haglin, Sherry, Schultz, Schultz, Sherry, yeah, Daniel Sprong, Daniel Sprong, four. I'm forgetting about the not. I'm forgetting about the forwards. Um, I watched Daniel Sprong try to take John Marino one on one yesterday. That was funny. Um, so I'd be worried about them. I do think Philly looks good. Well, you know, Carter Hart. Uh, but I just knowing from what I like, the Islanders look as annoying as ever. Carolina, not in our division anymore. Thank goodness. Yeah. Because boy, do they look good. Um, the, so Islanders looking away in caps. Yeah, whatever. I mean, Boston, I think even their results against New Jersey were mixed early on, like that New Jersey series. They could have lost both those games, to be quite yeah, honest I think, with I you. think they'll figure it out, though. 100% agree. I also think the biggest, like, we as hockey fans have to remind ourselves, more so than usual, don't take too much from the first two weeks of this season. Because there's a lot of veteran teams 
especially in the East Division. Sorry, Mass Mutual East Division. Thank you. Uh, a lot of older teams in that division. So, like, there is going to be a curve. Like, the, like I don't think who the, pe- who the Penguins were against the Flyers and the Caps so far, that's not who they're going to be in a month. Same thing can be said for the Caps. Same thing can be said for the Bruins. Like, those three in, in the East are the teams that are going to, I think, be in a lot better place once we get to June. I don't even think it'll be June. It'll be oh, like April. Does the season end in April like normal? I don't know. I haven't looked. I haven't looked all the way ahead to be. I'm, I'm, I'm living in the now. I don't have time for this. Considering um, you get I shut down at any minute, I'm not exactly making grand plans for a Stanley Cup parade. I am. Uh, well, Kat, here's the good news, though. I guess you know, it's crazy if you think about the timeline, though, because everybody went from like, oh no, like Casperi Kapanen on the top line right wing, to now it's like. He's practicing. Like, like I don't want to be too hard on Evan Rodriguez because, you know, it's a square peg round hole situation. So, you know, if you if you run into your house and you yell at your dog because uh, it won't meow, you're going to be disappointed because it's a dog, right? So this is very much the situation that we're in here is that you're asking, you know, somebody to do something that they're not really capable of doing. And everybody knew that it was only going to be temporary. Yeah, but absence makes the heart grow fonder, I guess, is what my grander point is. I also think what was annoying for me personally, you know, I don't know how you guys felt about it, was that you could just see after the first two games it wasn't working out, and they left him there. Like, like I get it's a temporary fix and you're waiting on Kapanen, but, you know, this is kind of a critique of Sullivan a little bit. He was... Aware enough to say against the Capitals he was going to start to Smith because Jari had been struggling a little bit and needed to find his game. Well, Rodriguez has been struggling pretty hard on the top line, so why are you keeping him there? I guess on one hand, you don't, you know, because I, I, I know I was pretty, like, heavy on the, uh, you know, put that, 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 give that spot to Brandon Tanev train, but I can understand not wanting to split the third lineup. Um, but, I mean, like, you know, even Colton Sevier at that point, I'd be like, you know, Go for it, right? Yeah, like I'm, yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking the reasoning may have been, we'll we'll deal with these couple games, knowing that they're going to be sorted out rather than throw everything in a blender. Yeah, like I I understand both sides of it. I just figure like you know, if, if you're gonna make the if you're gonna pull the trigger on the goaltending thing this early, then I don't think it's too too much telling tales out of school that you can, you know, put another winger on the top line. Well, I don't know that uh, we'll see the debut tomorrow. Um, that is yet to be determined. But sounds good, right? I mean, it sounds good. I can't imagine that just throwing him in there is going to be any worse. Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, go ahead. Status quo at worst, I think. So, what do you do? Do you move? Do you keep Rodriguez in the lineup at all? Yeah, I, I think I, I think you can keep him in the lineup. Um, put him in on the fourth line. See how he does. Um, so who comes out? My vote would be Skevier. However you say his name, I can't yeah. say it right. Uh, but, That's it. You got it. But but he like 
goal notwithstanding, he hasn't been overly impressive. He feels replaceable. No, like not. No offense to him. I think he'd be a good. He's a good guy to have for your depth if there's an injury and you need to plug somebody in. And on the same, at the same, at the same token, though, I think the the value of Rodriguez is he can be a good up and down the forward lineup temporary fix. Like I think having him there to start the season wasn't the worst idea, but after the first two games, it should have shown like okay, he had his opportunity there. You either move up someone like Tanev or whoever else and drop him down. And I think Skeevier's the guy who once Kapanen's back, you take out. Um, second pairing Jack Johnson coming up uh, this week. Can't wait. Oh boy. Actually, um, I say can't wait, but I'm not, probably not going to be watching game Friday, so I'll have to so live vicariously. You literally will wait. Yes. Literally. <laughs> I just that gap between Tuesday and Friday is, is like a, it's going to feel weird. Yeah, because because pretty much other than a few back to backs, looking. I mean, I'm looking at my calendar right in front of me. Through the third week of February, it's pretty much just every other day, other yeah. than a couple different breaks. To get your circadian rhythm in the right place, your hockey rhythms. And staying in the same time zone. That's the most beautiful part. We don't have to worry about like that weird yeah. mid-season West Coast swing where we're all like, oh, they don't face off till 1030. I feel like I can never keep up with like the um, – the narrative on whether like they're good or bad in afternoon games though. Cause I feel like it shifts all the time, you know, it's like now they, that they won yesterday. It's like, they're good, but then like they'll lose a noon game in a week and be like, they never win at noon. Like people, like everybody just forgets what just happened and like forms a new lore about it. I mean, it's up there. It's up there with the broadcaster thing where everybody's like, Oh, Eddie O has it so out for the penguins. Like he always trashed the penguins and it, him talking very complimentary of the penguins for like 20 minutes falls on deaf ears. But the minute he goes like, I don't know about that pass from Chris Letang. Like everybody's flipping tables and grabbing their phone. Like he hates the penguins. This is such bullshit. Like meanwhile, the only thing he's really thinking about is the ponies and trying to lay down a wager. That man will shoehorn in a horse racing reference. Almost as much as Pierre will reference a junior team. He'll straight up answer if you have a, like if you have a question about it. Like if I pulled up the Meadows app on my phone and I was like in the intermission and I showed it to him, like, what do you think? He'd be like, Oh dude, go right here. <laughs> like he wouldn't even like it wouldn't even register to him that he didn't know who you were. He would just answer it. You it's think he has a horse racing podcast on the side? I don't know, but the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life was <laughs> the night that I watched him try to control a bus full of children. Go on. I don't have anything else to tell you other than the fact that I think he had brought a youth team that had won a championship at Chicago to a Pittsburgh Chicago game. And this is, I was like, I was a long time ago. Um, long, long, like early 2000s. You know, like he had, I don't even think he was a coach yet. Um, and those kids were running everywhere, man. He was just like trying to herd cats in the parking lot. <laughs> I get all those kids on the bus. So that's it. That's the whole story. It's not very exciting. <laughs> oh, still ruin the whole thing. Yep. All right. Well, um, I don't know, Mike. You got anything? You got any papers over there? Um, we talking correspondences or other notes? Um, Party Hearts back. Forgot that. Thank God. 
I, I didn't hate Jump Around as a goal song. I thought it did work, but, like, you can't replace Party Hard, man. You just can't. A lot of people hate it. Oh, I'm I know going, a lot of people hate it. I'm going to um, reference my own personal thing that I said in the past, let people enjoy things. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Like, but, you know, like, I enjoyed... I didn't even realize it happened, to be honest with you. Like, and then I, like, after it was over, I saw it on Twitter, and I was like, oh... I didn't even realize that. I didn't. I, I didn't realize it either. But also, I was at the home opener. When, when would that have been? Twenty nineteen. When they first changed it, and like the Penguins got the opening goal against Buffalo, and like I like jumped up and I was like, "Wait a minute, it's not the same thing. This is different. I don't like this. Different. Yeah, something's <laughs> different. Got to do something like uh, I don't know. We got to find something." Or I, I guess it could stay this way. I don't care. It makes me happy because of uh, um, PCM. Yeah. Oh, like that was my whole thing. Like, the, like the, how hard like the Penguins social media community like rallied to make that happen, and it happened, and then they took it away after two years. It was unfortunate that when they brought Andrew K up there, WK up there, nothing happened. They didn't score. They got, got, got shut, shut out. out. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, well, uh, before we get over to correspondences, we got to throw it over and welcome in our guest, as Jesse introduced her, the incomparable former of the New Jersey Devils, Rachel Dory. So enjoy that interview, and we'll be right back with correspondences. Ladies and gentlemen, fourth guest in the history of the Dying Alive podcast, the only one with any air of legitimacy. Uh, no, that's not true. Ch- Charlie, just those, just those. this is the second one with legitimacy. Uh, the other one, the Charlie's the only other one, Sean Gentilly. I just want to repeat worst guest we've ever had. Uh, <laughs> Rachel Dory's on the show. Rachel X of the New Jersey Devils. Uh, also you can find her now on the staff and graph podcast. Rachel, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to come join us and talk about the memes worth of bad defensemen that the Penguins have. Well, thank have you had. for having me. I'm, I'm highly excited about this. I never get to talk about how terrible another team's defenseman is because I get so wrapped up in having to deal with my Twitter mentions, which is basically all Leafs fans, like finding some way to yell at me. Oh, that's everybody though. That's all of us, you know, welcome to the club. Uh, yeah. Rachel, this is a Pittsburgh, obviously centric audience. So the first question I wanted to ask you, take us through the new market Ontario experience. Give us the vibe of your hometown what is the what is the flavor of Newmarket? What's life like in Newmarket, Ontario, for us for us Pittsburghers who've never been there? 
Okay, so um, I live downtown now, but I'm in Newmarket probably like two or three days a week. And the vibe there, um, there's some really, really good outdoor skating rinks where you can play pond hockey and they're community maintained. Like my um, stepfather actually like maintains one of them and it's uh, three quarters NHL size. Um, there's like cute little like Main Street, um, which is kind of like old Newmarket because Newmarket was back before we even had like paved roads apparently um so there's a cute like main street that has a bunch of uh local shops there's no chains or anything um so that's a really cute vibe and that's kind of like near my house but the rest of it um is just kind of your typical um if you think of like canadian hockey town that's on the outskirts of a city like that's what you get so we've got hockey rinks everywhere um lots of big giant houses for no apparent reason but yeah that's kind of the vibe outside yeah. of the hot if you took the hockey rinks out it sounds like beaver yeah I, I had the same you thought jesse what? i was like is she, yeah. is she actually from beaver county because that's what it sounds <laughs> yeah, like can can i ask where new market is because i have no idea um the short answer is it's where Connor mcdavid is from um so it's about 30 minutes north of toronto okay so how close is it to sudbury then Three and a half hours. Gee, okay, my Ontario. I'm see. This is why I ask. I love the spirit of Ontario, but I don't understand it at all. And then Sault Ste. Marie is like another three hours north of that. I'm never going on so a road trip with you, Jesse. I am never going on no, a road trip with you. Don't do it, please. Don't. <laughs> also, um, why on earth would you ever go to Sudbury? I went to school there for three years, and then they gave me the option to do my fourth year at home, and I was like, "Good day, see ya." <laughs> yeah. It's one of those places where the sun rarely makes an appearance, um, from what I understand. Um, um, yeah, I, I, and I, they don't have public transit in the wintertime because it's the roads are too terrible. Yeah, no, that thank sounds you. a lot like Pittsburgh, to be completely honest. <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> not just, a lot of sun. We have here. public yeah. transportation in the winter. It just you can't count on it. But hey, it it's falls here. into it falls into giant sinkholes. Oh my god! Um, oh, nice. Yeah. So, um, Rachel, let's think about this logistically because if you told if you if you went to like 2015 Jesse and you said or any of us really not just me and you said the penguins are going to employ the following list of defensemen in subsequent order i probably would go straight to the hospital uh <laughs> justin schultz which okay let's be fair like he's the best of the bunch truly is i would say this next guy is in the list but ron hainsey is on the list i like uh, him dangle james neal can't forget that i mean that's a critical moment of Pittsburgh history. But then we move even further down into the abyss. Uh, we don't need to talk about, I mean, Jack Johnson goes without saying that one is, you know, um, he that is one. something. How did, okay. So <laughs> sure, sure. We'll stop. Let's go. Wait, go ahead. <laughs> okay. How did the Rangers a, I want to know how he was signed for anything more um, than league minimum, but how did the Rangers watch him play with um, resident exceptional person tony d'angelo and be like you know what he needs to be moved into the top four like i need to know how they watched barzell absolutely ruin his entire existence for 60 minutes and then go you know i need to play more <laughs> you know what's funny is i told rachel my favorite part of that goal was when he pointed at the linesman helplessly like, yeah, he's like, as if to say to the linesman you're gonna get that right like you're gonna 
kick that back to me. He did. It, like, it, it wasn't. Did. It wasn't like he was under duress either. He had his head up in the line. Oh it was right there. There were three passing options. Which you could have let the charcoal on your girl get hot. <laughs> enough time he had well, before and, that buck needed to and, be moved. And then, and then David Quinn comes out and does the whole thing that Jim Rutherford did and says everybody's just picking on Jack. Leave him alone. Yeah. Reputation. Like, yeah, he shot the puck into a linesman. But, like, okay, so you, you have this list of defensemen. It's got Jack Johnson. Now we're at Mike Matheson and Cody Cece. No, 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 no. Back Whoa, up. We're not even there. We skipped Eric Branson. We skipped Eric Branson. No. This is a shame that this is a podcast that people can't see what's happening right now. No. So, yeah, Eric oh, my Branson. God. Okay, so I watched him get absolutely turnstiled by the Leafs on multiple occasions this yeah. last weekend. He's not like he's his tenure not in good. Pittsburgh was rather untumultuous and forgettable because it That's came at probably that not that yeah no it was the best thing you could hope for uh, and then you go into uh, the combo Mike Matheson Cody CC dual dual signing which is you know the the trade signing which like when the Matheson thing happened I think we were all like we were in that sort of post Jack Johnson era of bliss. You know what I mean? Like we didn't have that to worry about him, so it's cushioned the blow. But then that the CC thing—that's really the one that cut your knees out from under you because you just gotten over it. You know, you just gotten through your grieving period, and now the next thing you know, you're you're right back, you're right back in the grave. Yeah, but I think like at least Cody CC has some redeeming defensive qualities. I have tried very hard with my own eyeballs and speaking to people within hockey to find a single redeeming quality about Jack Johnson. And the only thing anyone can give me is, well, he's a good dude. I'm like, that's, that's <laughs> great, but I, I'm here to tell you that I could find a lot of good dudes on the street and they're not going to win you a Stanley Cup. And when you have Crosby and Malkin and Latang, and you just decide that you want to bring these people in, it's kind of like... Uh, okay, but I would say Cody Cece's an upgrade on Jack Johnson, not a big one, and that's not like it's not a high bar. But Mike Matheson, objectively, like I don't even know what's happening there. It's been brutal, yeah. And now, like the long term injury thing, you know, we don't know, you know, speculation that it's like shoulder. Nobody knows what it is, but he's not going to be back, you know, anytime soon. Cody Cece, I thought, you know, to be quite frank, had like a forgettable opening night. There wasn't any moment he got memed. I, and I disagree with like all due respect. I love Dmitry Filipovich. Everybody knows that. And Filipovich memed him on opening night. But when I watched the replay of that, it was almost like that was more Sidney Crosby's bad than it was Cody Cece's, believe it or not. Uh, I, it's just overall, though, like to your point, Rachel, it's, it's a livable. The, the, the drop, it's not a big improvement, but it's improvement enough that it's not going to be the reason you lose. Yeah, like I think Cody Cece, if he's on your bottom pair, like that's fine. You get into trouble when guys like Cody Cece are playing and guys like Eric Goodbranson who are somehow playing on the top pair in Ottawa. God bless them. <laughs> um, but like when you when you have a guy like Cody Cece who like he is competent in his own end, we're not asking him to break the puck out and be a power play quarterback. Like nobody needs that. But you're just asking him to not lose his guy at the net front, to tie up a stick, um, to break up some some high-danger passes, and, and he can do all of those things. You don't need offense from your bottom pair, and I think that that kind of gets 
overlooked and and it's a pretty cheap contract that Pittsburgh signed him to and I think you've got somebody in front office like Sam Ventura and I would guess that he was not a fan of the Mike Matheson deal (laughs) but if you brought him Cody Cece and said okay like we know what his deficiencies are but we know what he can do that's someone that's okay in the third pairing obviously you play sheltered at that point but like there's no need for fans to be up in arms about Cody CC. Although I will say it is kind of funny that like all of Johnson, CC, Matheson, Bogosian, and Good Branson took penalties in their first games <laughs> and the teams got scored on on their power plays. So crazy when you think about it. Um, yeah, and, and, anybody- and, and Je- Jesse and I talk about this all the time on the show in when it, in regards to someone like Cody CC. Like the whole thing you want out of someone like him is to not notice him. Like the longer you go without noticing him, the uh, honestly, the better value he has because as a bottom pairing defenseman and mainly a defensive defenseman, your whole, whole goal is to not give anything up and not wow anybody. Like it's the kind of guy that over, uh, you know, 56, 82, whatever game season we're playing by the end of the year, you go, yeah, you know, I didn't really notice him. He was all right. He was solid. And he's earning his paycheck. And I think, you know, you guys talked about it, Rachel, on Staff and Graph, you and Mike, that CC is that's all you want out of him. And if you give him the right minutes in the right scenarios, that's all he's going to be. Just it was the fact that he was being misused in previous places. And we'll see how Mike Sullivan uses him moving forward. But you know, given this fan base's PTSD because of Jack Johnson, we're all a little gun shy when it comes to that. Yeah, and I think it, Mike Sullivan's hand might get forced with various injuries, and obviously we're literally in the middle of a pandemic, um, even though some people just want to pretend it doesn't exist, which, okay, carry on. Um, but I think, like you mentioned, guys like Cody Cece, uh, Jack Johnson, Eric Goodbranson, Mike Matheson, the best possible outcome is that you don't notice to him. Like, you're telling me last year watching Jack Johnson play for the Pittsburgh Penguins, if I came to you at the, at the beginning of the game and said, okay, he's not going to do anything good, but you're also not going to notice he exists at all, which means inherently he didn't make any really bad errors. I think every Penguin fan would probably take that. They'd, They'd ask you how much yeah. money that would cost yeah. to make that a reality. Like, how much do we have to pay you? Type situation. <laughs> um, on the, let's talk about the good stuff, though, because we... I'm going to be very careful about how I position this, Rachel. Pittsburgh, not the whole city, some subsect of it, has, like, this needless want to cannibalize its star players. And I think Chris Letang is in that right now. Like that we're, we're in the modern era of it. And specifically to that point, like analytically, if you look at Latang, you know, total control most of the time, not so far this year, but, you know, total control over the expected goal share, total control over the shot share, a guy who plays big minute hockey and walks away looking pretty clean, save the egregious turnover here or there. These things don't affect the end result. Uh, I don't know if we have a name for it. You know, it's like big mistake syndrome or something like that. Jake Gardner syndrome. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Like, is that, I guess it's the same thing up there for him where the, you know, he could play, you know, 29 minutes of mistake-free hockey, but the 
that one 10 second shift is going to be what we're talking about on the radio on the way home. Yeah. Like I think, okay. Um, I live in a city that also loves to cannibalize its star players for screw face capital. Right. Um, and, and I would say like with Chris Letang, um, I think because he's kind of been like caught up in trade rumors and, whatever other stuff that I keep seeing and hearing about, um, he kind of becomes an easy target. Obviously, like, any Penguin fan who wants to criticize Crosby, like, is an idiot, flat out. Like, I don't even know. There's no other way to put that. We don't get, you don't get a lot of that. Right, really. but even Latang, like, if you look at the pillars you need to win a Stanley Cup and what was required for Pittsburgh to win their Cups, like, Chris Letang is a huge part of that. I know he was injured the one year they like one of the cups, but you can't pretend for a second that even his presence and his mind doesn't have an impact on, on the players that are playing. And so for me, like as long as Pittsburgh can keep their three pillars in the lineup, they have a chance to compete. So to so cannibalizing Chris Letang, like I'm sorry to tell you Penguins fans, but if Chris Letang doesn't play well, like, you're not going anywhere in the playoffs. Like he's he's still a huge part of the team. See, yeah. I find it I find it interesting you pointed out about them winning without him because there was a lot of chatter after they won without him that they could win without him moving forward. Which I like I don't even buy into that because like they Pittsburgh wasn't getting a ton from their back end and if I recall correctly when they were without Latang Essentially, their entire system was like, get back, get the puck, move the puck to the forwards and let them skate it. So you're not asking for any transition from your D. You're literally asking your forwards to hold the puck in the offensive zone. You're asking Crosby and Malkin to be Crosby and Malkin. Hmm. And and you're they kind of they did a really good job of masking that entire um, situation because they didn't depend on their D for any offense and for any transition play. So realistically, they took away like. 70 percent of their job yeah and you figure that was the time that they had the really 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 strong third line and a young fourth line with a lot of speed so they were able to get away with that yeah they yeah, they, they can't they don't even have a good first line right now <laughs> That's true. yeah the penguins won this 2017 stanley cup in spite of chris letang not being in the lineup like that like yeah. like because i remember jesse you and i talked about it the one episode like there were people during that cup final against nashville after wins that they were like well, you know, uh, I don't know if this process is going to really play itself out. It was like, guys, they're two wins from the cup. I don't care how they win it; just win it. We're not talking October fifteenth in the in, you know, they're a one and one stretch. Like they're two wins from the cup; just win. Yeah, I don't care like, how. I never, I never understood this, and like I have to have this conversation with all manner of Leaf fans here because Lord, they're the most unreasonable people. <laughs> um. When you are talking about process and like, okay, it's October 15th, like you said, and yes, okay, we could talk about process. When you're in the Stanley Cup final, whether you're a house of cards or not, I don't give a shit. You get a glue gun out and you start figuring it out because at that point, the house of cards only has to stay up for another two or three games. So like it doesn't, you, no one cares about the process in the cup final. I don't do you care about winning or do you care about the process? And there is a time and a place to care about both. And the time for caring about the process is not in the cup final. Yeah. yeah I mean, look at, look at the goal that Patrick Hornquist scored to win the 2017 cup. It was the ugliest fucking goal you've ever seen. Shittiest goal of all time. Yeah. 
Um, Rich, I want to talk to you about process. Um, this is a this is a your opinion type of a thing. So I'm not asking you to like to divulge industry secrets. Um, a good video department spends what percent of time evaluating its own team's play versus the opponent's? Where's the balance? I think that the reason I ask you this question is that the perception among a lot of people is that the work that's done is solely done scouting. And I'm looking at next week's games. I'm just, I'm dissecting opponents. Um, I, whereas I think more of some of the arduous work in the business of video work comes in just picking apart shifts and zone entries and cutting apart uh, video on your own group. Uh, what is the, what is the, what's that perfect balance look like and how much, if at all, you know, scouting work is done these days. Like, is that teams, do teams change enough for you to have to keep revisiting video of them over and over again? No, like I think, um, I, in an ideal world, your video coach, um, and your assistant coaches handle like all of the pre-scout stuff, which the reality of the situation is, is the NHL has like a, a server that everyone uploads their games to. So like if you're playing, um, the flyers, you would just go in, take their power plays from like the last two, three games, pull them down. You watch them. That's probably like 10 minutes of work. Um, same thing for the PK. And then you just go like either like four check ozone D zone, like face off plays. And they usually don't change. So it's just like a review. Okay. Check. Yep. It's the same. We're good to go. We have our sheets. And then it's just like, who's hot, who's not. But that's like your coaching staff that does that. Whereas like you, I believe every team should have at least one, probably two or three uh, video people in the front office. And like for somebody like me, like I would say if you remove, if you just look at my NHL duties, remove like amateur scouting and pro scouting, um, I would say like 90% of the video work I did was focused on the devil. So I would say downstairs you have it solely focused on, uh, like your pre-scout and then you can pull like glaring clips and stuff for video the next day kind of thing. But in the front office, you should be much more focused on your own players. Rachel, do you think we'll ever get to a point where like in your hypothetical, you just gave us the NHL has come far enough to where like assistant coaches are going in and and checking those face-offs and those set plays have changed and the system is different. And like, you know, it's not hockey will never be football. I don't ever want it to be football, but it does lack. And we talk about it on the show all the time, like a little bit of variety systematically. And a lot of people do the same things and there's not a lot of change. Like with the new generations that are to come, do you think we'll ever get to that place where there is that variety? I think you'll start to see a little bit more variety but it all hinges on the blood, right? So if you just recycle the same blood, like the same 200 hockey men over and over again, um, you, you're not gonna you're not gonna get a whole lot of variety, which is why like hiring new coaches is important and and hiring people out of junior hockey is important. Hiring somebody like Eric Tulski is important and Sam Ventura in the front office because they just bring different perspectives on on how to evaluate things and I think eventually um, we'll start to see things like uh, four forwards, one D when a team is down in the last five minutes. Um, I know uh, John Hines did it a few times when I was in New Jersey. I believe he's done it a couple of times um, in Nashville. 
I think we'll start to see a little bit more of that. Um, in terms of plays, everything kind of falls into a category. Um, so there's multiple two one two four checks. It's just a matter of how you do it. Sure. Um, but there isn't a ton of creativity, and I think part of the reason is a lot of hockey people don't really take interest in other sports that you could draw things from. So for me, like I try and draw things from soccer and from basketball Um, and soccer, I would say is like the primary just because I have a very deep understanding of that sport. So I think uh, with the more new blood that you have, maybe in the next 10 years, we'll start to see a little bit more variety um, specifically having to do with special teams. Like I think we'll start to see different stuff on the power play and different stuff on the PK. Do you think rink size hurts us on that, like, collectively, Rachel? Like, you look over in Sweden and, like, you know, there's enough space over there to run, like, a torpedo, you know, on your breakout, which you could probably try on a North American rink, but it's going to be a little bit easier to shut down because you don't have the width. Uh, do you think it's just that mentality that's that, that's preventing us, or do, you, do we need to widen the sucker out? I think it's a mentality. I think that um, you could could put um, because when, okay. So when NHL players go over and they play in the Olympics or they play on big ice, like whatever, it's still a really defensive, like it's, it's just a different way of defending. Um, But they still get it done. Like when you watch the Olympics, like they weren't running the torpedo against (laughs) NHL defensemen, right? Like there's a, a big difference between an SHL team and like trying to shut down Sidney Crosby. Like that's not the same thing. And so I think you got to look at the level of player. And then you also have to look at uh, overseas. They're willing to try more things because frankly, like there's less to lose. Um, You're less likely to get fired there because there's Academy and, and things are just done differently there. Whereas here, I mean, we've seen coaches and GMs fired like a year or two in. Um, So there's a hesitance uh, to change things. And I think, um, like when the drop pass on the power play was kind of brought in or even four forwards, one defenseman, everyone was like, whoa, 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 like <laughs> this craziness. And now every time I see a drop pass on the power play, I want to tear my hair out. Because oh, yeah, come, yo, awful. hey, we're trying them all different flavors over here. We got oh. a smorgasbord of drop pass. You want to see a drop pass on a power play? Watch the Penguins. Oh, you can see Jesse. ones I haven't even thought of yet. Jesse even closer to home for me for my team they were doing drop passes in practice and I blew the whistle and freaked the hell out I'm telling you right now we'll have a podcast in February it'll be 5D all drop passes you can't pass it forward that'll be the new power I absolutely loathe it It, backhands only like I I flat out had a rule like I said to my guys I go uh, because one guy's like I need to work on my drop passes I'm like absolutely not not okay no you don't need to work on your drop pass because you know what your drop pass is you lift your stick up and don't take the puck with you if you can't do that at any at a a competitive level of hockey you shouldn't be playing Mike Darnay once fooled Mark once fooled to legitimate media outlet into believing that Mike Johnston was tasing players during practice. <laughs> no, <laughs> and like, oh my uh, God. and I think that would be a good thing though if you tased people Just when like they s- had drop pass. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of forgot about that. You did. I didn't. I think about that all the you time. I have a suggestion the for the Penguins. That was the the Wild West days of the internet. Yeah. Oh yeah. Back when the Pengu- no what the Penguins should do is do. Uh, like a two man back. So bring Crosby and Malkin back on the outside like that. Have Latang skate up the middle 
and then he just distributes the puck to whichever player is skating faster in, in the more open lane because the way that Crosby and Malkin skate, it's an automatic zone entry. Yeah. Like, I would not step in front of Evgeny Malkin if he was coming full steam ahead with the puck. Then you just back it up and you set up. Like, there's no need for a drop pass if you're the Penguins. You know what, you know what else they should do, Rachel? <laughs> move their umbrella. Just somebody should move. Yeah, you know, be- I don't know. Just like, like know, a stagnant like power play. It's like they're playing Twister, you know, and both <gasps> their feet they're on the same dot, and nobody's allowed to. The floor is lava in our power play. <laughs> See, I think like anyone who has a stagnant power play in the year 2021, like out. Stop. Give them the taser, Mike. If you watch, <laughs> like even I'm gonna. I can't believe I'm gonna use the Senators as an example, but if you watch how the Senators run their five on three um, in their first game. It was consistent movement. Shabbat yeah. was moving. Kachuk was moving. Batherson was moving. You need to have movement. If you have a stagnant power play, I could literally scheme up something in under five seconds to eliminate every passing. Well, the, so like, what is the purpose? Well, that <laughs> that and you know, if you have a if you have a stationary or stagnant power play, we're also talking about NHL for the mo- NHL caliber for the most part. You know, pandemic season is going to change that a little bit. Caliber goaltending. If you if 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 your team is just in a standard umbrella in a standard box for the PK, and there's a lane to the net and the goalie sees it, it's not going in. Like if you're shooting from the perimeter on an NHL goalie on a stagnant power play with a regular box or diamond PK, that goalie's not being beat. So you're not like, doing. There's anything. maybe three players in the NHL that can actually blow it by the goaltender: it, Ovechkin, yeah. Weber, and Line. A. But yeah. if you're shooting from the perimeter, you're exactly right. If you're shooting from the perimeter and and everything's stagnant, unless your name is one of those three players, like you're not just going to blow it by the goaltender. No. And and, and I, I, I was going to say there when we first got into it, if you like one of the reasons the Penguins won the Stanley Cup in 16 and 17 was because their special teams were lethal. Like they could kill off most oh, yeah. penalties and their power play – you could mark them down for maybe a goal a game. But if you go back and watch the film of those power plays, somebody's always moving, whether it's getting to an open lane, creating traffic in front of a goalie, moving the puck, and then following a pass and crisscrossing. Like, that power play was really hard to defend. And you watch the first three games the Penguins have had this year, and they get in the zone, they set up, all well and good. Nobody moves. Like, Guy at the top of the umbrella, nope, on the top of the umbrella, I can't leave there. Nope, I'm the guy on the half wall, can't leave the half wall. I'm the guy in front, and I'm not going to screen the goalie because I might bring a defenseman in with me, but, like, and that's why they haven't been effective. And the, they have two power play goals in their first three games. But literally, the only reason they have them is because... Zone entries. Not even zone entry. Well, it's, the, yeah. the, the play broke down, and Crosby was there. That's not. Yeah, a, that's not a system. Goal is, looks like it's like scoring off the rush is more important than, you know, anything else. It's, yeah, you should be trying to score off the rush on the power play for sure. You should because that's how you get a team to play in chaos, and it's more likely yeah. that they're going to make a mistake. But, like to me, you have the greatest player of this generation, and and you can't figure out how to have a lethal power play it should be like the caps where their power play is automatic top six every year because like honestly Crosby thinks the game so well I don't understand like just have him and Malkin and Latang go in a room figure (laughs) out their scheme and then pick two players that they think fit their scheme and off we go 
Like, they, honestly, I... Everybody I talk to tells me they've never had someone think the game the way Crosby does. Okay, well, like, use it. Amen. Like, if you're a coaching staff, leverage that. Uh, Rachel, last... We, we wanted... Well, no, this is, the, this is like we're going to end on, like, a serious note. We wanted to say thank you, not only for just joining us, but for uh, being uh, the champion that you are for uh, mental health awareness. It is super important to all the three of us on the show uh, in our own separate ways for various reasons. And uh, it's all the stuff that you've done is super dope. And, you know, we could get into all the, the list, but, you know, just the fact that, you know, there was even a mental health awareness night in the National Hockey League somewhere, uh, you know, that's uh, that's all you. So uh, keep keep it up. We're right there with you and we appreciate you thank you very much yeah i uh i recognize other people's struggles so i figure if i can do anything to help then uh i should do that <laughs> anybody got anything before we go for is that it no um Pat? just you know i wanted to say what jesse said thanks for being an advocate and a champion of that because it it means a lot to me too and um I'm, I'm going to also give a shout out to myself for not freaking out because I've been a huge fan of Staff and Graph and your work. So like Jesse texted us and was like, oh, Rachel wants to come on. And Rachel's coming on. I was like, um, are you sure about that? Like we're, we're doing this? <laughs> yeah. We, we're simps for Staff and, Staff and Graph. Mike, uh, like, well, you know, all we're all. But it's it's one of the only other podcasts I listen to. So oh, thanks. Thank <laughs> you so much. Like, yeah, we just like, we literally I think I sent. I know, Jesse, I said it to you, but we just launched, like, a whole line of, like, merch, and then I just, like, I'm in the process of getting Analytics Our Salad trademarked um, so that there's, like, stickers and, and notebooks and whatever because I feel like anybody who values analytics but also understands you need to actually be able to evaluate hockey um, would appreciate that. I, I did I did have one other thing you brought up analytics because um, it is one of my all-time favorite tweets and you have it pinned and I want to read it for our listeners because I kind of want to I want to talk to you about this for a sec. You tweet yeah. you tweeted it would be really great if hockey could collectively agree that analytics and scouting are tools and both have value in building slash running a team. The pot shots and Twitter spats are unnecessary. It's how you use the tools that matter. Enough of the pissing match. Here's where my annoyance with this is. And I've, I think I've said it to you guys too, Mike, Jesse. Is all the vehemently anti-analytics people in hockey get described the same way. This guy's a competitor and he'll do whatever it takes to win. Except if you give him another uh, resource. Like, because he didn't want to take two days out of his week to learn what numbers mean. Like, I know if I'm a coach... Well, and someone came up to me and was like, hey, my analytics show blah, 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 blah. And the person said, like, here's what this means. And I would go, okay, so this breaks what I thought before, and it's going to help me win? Hell yeah, I'm using this. Like, I hate when those guys who have been in hockey forever are described as, like, these champions of competition, but they won't learn something new. So clearly they won't do whatever it takes to win. Yeah, and it's super interesting because, like, the same, especially in the media, the same people who complain about analytics, and there is a particular individual in Toronto, um, also complain about having to learn the salary cap, which also, <laughs> like, the salary cap is 16 years old. Like, if you don't know how it works by now, then maybe you shouldn't be employed. I don't know. I, 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 just as a whole thing, I enjoy when people tell on themselves that they're, they're ignorant. Yeah, like you literally just told people you don't want to do your job. Like, I don't know what to tell you, but 
And it's yeah, not like they don't know math because they know how many numbers are away from 99. So right. you can <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me that you can't figure numbers out because you know that 98 is one less than 99 and that 97 is two less than that, but is wholly acceptable. And, and they can count every year how, how far back 67 is also. It's it's honestly like okay. So the reason that tweet is there is it's the most tactful way I can say what I was trying to say because if I have to watch another analytics Julius Honka war, I am going to rip my eyes out of their sockets. I can't handle it anymore. Like I don't understand if I said, Pat, I, I need you to build me a house, and. I'm going to give you uh, a hammer and a drill. Make sure and, you give him a ladder. And a ladder. I'm going to need a ladder because like, this ain't a, ain't a tall and, man. And everything. And, and would your response be, no, no, I just need the hammer. I don't need the drill or the ladder. It's fine. Like, what kind of house are you building then? I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, well, the, this whole concept's flawed because if you're coming to me to build a house, then, Rachel, you might, yeah, you, you might have fallen on some real hard times. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like, no, you have no, all I, these tools available. It's like a salad, right? right. Like, yeah. Mikey, God bless him for, for creating this. Like, if you just drink salad dressing, people are going <laughs> to think you're out of your mind. If you just eat lettuce, that's – you're not going to get anywhere. It's a terrible salad, a.k.a. terrible hockey team. But if you mix some salad or some lettuce and then you mix some dressing and then you have some garnish and maybe, like, some cute fruits or whatever, you've got some, some – blackberries. Yeah, like blueberries and whatever. Then you've got yourself a nice little balance there, and then the salad tastes good. Then you had like that was, a, I was trying to think of Manny's salad or that. Oh man, no, black, we yeah, blackberries. That kind of salad. That's Red too onions. much. That's, that's that's when it's you've added extra analysis that you shouldn't you shouldn't be including now. Yeah. Um, Rachel, thank you a ton. We're gonna have you back. Um, there's we, we're gonna have like a 30 some odd game bad defenseman check-in oh my god can't we'll we go around the league and just look at like the lowest expected goal shares and just discuss i like this i i like that because i just you look and it's kind of like if you would have said okay rachel i need you to pick five defensemen that are going to be in the bottom 10 for these specific metrics at the end of the year like i could name them yeah. I could name five of the ten. Like, it's yeah. just that predictable. Two or three of them were on the Penguins all the time. I was going to so. say, they've all, they've all played for the Penguins recently. I'm just that meme of Lisa Simpson just staring down at the table now that we've had that realization. Yeah. All right, Rachel, where can everybody find you besides Staff and Graf? Um, At Rachel Dory on Twitter. Um, the Staff and Graf podcast is kind of like where I'm found right now. Um. I'm thinking about writing. I'm not quite sure yet, um, but I try and put a lot of my research out on Twitter, so that's kind of the best place to find me. Sounds good. Thanks so much again. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Is the mail, is the mail working, Mike? Mailbox is full. So let's let's uh let's get to it. Who was in that movie with Meg? Was it Tom Hanks? Yeah, Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks and Meg Ryan. Yeah. You've got Thank mail. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Jeff asks, "Would you rather enter the offensive zone against two Chara-sized Krugs or two Krug-sized Charas?" 
I mean, the answer is, is the, the, the Chara size one because it's much bigger. I don't know. Why would anybody go with the smaller one? I guess the only benefit... What's intimidating about a, tr- a Krug size Chara? Um, does, does the Krug size Chara get the oversized hockey stick? I guess, but I, that still doesn't really intimidate me all that much because this would be really yeah, hard to use it gonna, for other things. You're just going to blow by, blow by the big guy. Yeah, yeah. Just use your speed to the outside to beat <clears throat> the, the to beat the Chara size crew. It's, a, it's plural. Yeah. Um, Beast might asks. <laughs> Beast might asks how itchy do you think Rutherford's trade finger is getting? I think it's um, been I think it's been itchy since. The start of business, just because. Well, yeah, I don't think I don't think it's ever not itchy. It's just yeah, always. That's what I was going with. Yeah. Always getting a pulse on everything. But I also think in a shortened season, like he, it's going to be more so than usual. He's not going to be afraid to pull that trigger. Agree. Uh, Harrison Baldwin asks, "What's your favorite hockey graph and why?" Like analytics. I assume it means like what particular style of graph. Um, well, I'll just tell you now, like Pat Bacon has one this year, uh, for top down hockey where it's, it's just an expected goals graph, you know, a quadrant graph, you know, your standard quadrant graph, but I like the way that he named it. So like the, 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 like the low end where it's like no shots in either directions, he calls it low event Kings. And then below that is the struggling players cause they're not generating shots, but allowing a lot. And then the top side, you have two-way beasts, which is players that don't allow many but obviously generate a lot. And then the bottom one is players that uh, were called defense abolitionists, uh, where they have high expected goals against and high expected goals for. So I thought that that that. was funny. Um, I haven't seen that, but I like that because my answer was going to be one that I understand because I think a lot of times they can be a little too overcrowded. Yeah. Uh, My favorite is... Definitely, and it's it's multiple of them. The way uh, Sean Tierney does it, uh, I just he was going to be my next one. Yeah, yeah, good, yeah. like good, fun, bad, and dull. Like yeah. it, they're it, they're easy to read for people <laughs> even who don't know everything about what goes into it. Right. Yeah, and, and and we've talked about it on the show before. Like that's one of the biggest issues with analytics is a lot of the best people in analytics get too into the fact that they understand them and it becomes hard to understand for people who don't. Uh, Glenn asks, name something you love as much as the Penguins love overpassing the puck. Sleep. Breathing. I love sleep. Life. Um, flagrant swag asks have shootouts lost their excitement assuming yes. they ever were exciting what's your preferred way to end a tie game they were years? exciting though because when they, they first were. i don't know if you remember back when when they first came out like everybody was crazy about it like it, it was a new thing it was fun it was you know fresh but it died somewhere yeah it died I, it I died when crew on three well probably before that too guys right yeah i did find yesterday's fairly exciting though just just given that it was the first one that we've seen in a long time and they hadn't won. And, the, yeah. and, and they're, like, it's tough because if a game goes to a shootout and there's not a lot of talent on one side or both sides, it's boring. A game like yesterday, however, though, ton of talent on both sides. Which, was, yeah. which made it even more entertaining that nobody scored in the first three. Like, so, 
like it's hard for me to say that they've lost excitement because it's all contextual. Like Penguins Caps go into a shootout, I'll watch that. Well, people have said like, well, I don't necessarily care for the way they game the three on three now to like, you know, to retreat and regroup. And but I actually find that fun. I don't know. It's like an added element of strategy, and that's why I think they should elongate it. Because if they did, you'd have to start to use more people. Yeah, you'd have no choice like, but to expand your roster. If you play the regrouping game and do it purposely to try to get someone to make a change, all of a sudden you can have a three on one or a two on zero. Right. I mean, like yesterday, Ovechkin was out there for what, almost two minutes, two and a half, almost. Yeah. yeah. What? And the other, the other thing you have to ask is, do you want ties to come back? Because if you do, then you can eliminate the shootout. If you don't want ties to come back. You have to have a way to end the game, and I agree. Like, let's long elongate three on three overtime, and make it ten minutes. And I'm gonna, I'm willing to wager that if you. How about this, Pat? Let me throw this one at you. Three on three overtime. That it went in ten minutes, and then when that's over, uh, both teams get a, a like a three on four power play. I don't hate it, but at the same time, like. Um, uh, what I would like to see is a way for them uh, and, and a lot, people a lot smarter than me can figure this out is a way to disincentivize teams from playing to get to overtime or the shootout. Like, yeah. like make it so like you have to take the chance to win. Like you can't just play for the point. And I think the most obvious answer to me is to go to, you know, both Mike and I have it on in the backgrounds is make it like, Premier League soccer where you have a three-point tier system like it it won't hurt the game if you have a three-point system it will and it'll actually be better because it'll help the teams at the top of of the standings the actual good teams from to pull away like rather than you know you have a mid-range team that keeps piling up loser points and they find their way either into playoffs or in a fight for the playoffs when they really shouldn't be in that position Um, what else we got here? Zach T has two questions. First is in terms of expected goals, the Penguins are solid. Are there troubles a matter of execution or personnel optimization? It's just what we said. It's the mini meltdown. It's that period of time where, you know, just doesn't adhere to what the standard is and goes off. And when you look at expected goals, that might not reflect the poor eight minutes. Right. And we talked about it a little bit, as you guys heard in the interview with Rachel, like their special teams has to be better. Like their power play scoring on two breakdowns because Crosby was in the right position is not a sustainable way to run a power play. And they have to get better at killing penalties as well. Um, His second question is, say the pandemic is through tomorrow and all is safe. What's the first thing you do in the new world? I can go get wings. Yeah, I get a beer at a bar. Probably like to get sloppy at a Penguins game. Which, once the world opens up, we need to have, like, a Dying Alive meet-up in a Pens game. We're going to do it. A um, couple more here. Brendan Labra asks, any concerns about Kapanen's defensive metrics? Sullivan likes Wings to be accountable for the point in the defensive zone, but I don't get the sense he's super responsible in that regard. Uh, yeah. We'll find out. I have the concern. I also watched the Phil Kessel era, so... I don't yeah. if and and this isn't a compare Kapanen to Kessel. There is not much of a comparison. 
but you're a winger. It's well, and, and I mean, if he's producing at least even a little bit, I'm not worried about his defense. I, he's not. He, I'm not bringing him in to be a defensive forward. Yeah. Um, Devin is asking for a book recommendation from any genre. Uh, there's a really good one called The Jersey Brothers about these three brothers. True story, World War II. Uh, it's almost, I'm not going to spoil it, but it's a great book. Uh, I'm currently reading Rachel Maddow's book, Bagman, and it's all about Nixon's VP, Spiro Agnew, and how uh, Watergate kind of overshadowed the fact that Agnew was just as, if not more, corrupt. So, wild read, really good, highly recommend it. I um, notoriously do not like to read, but I do have a couple books that I have read that I enjoy. Um, uh, probably one of my favorites is Anthony Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential. Uh, All right. Well, one more, one more. Laura asks for any tips on how to not be scared of driving in the snow. I can't get a horse. <laughs> get a horse. Yeah. I mean, I'm not good at it. I don't have any. Um, I like to think I'm pretty good at driving in, in the snow. So, uh, the main thing I would say is patience. Like wherever you are going, you will get there when you get there. Like don't hit the gas. Don't, don't slam the brake. Like if somebody wants to drive like an asshole around you, let them pass you, let them do whatever they're going to do. Like, don't rush yourself. Like take your time. Yeah. I got four wheel drive. I'm not worried about it. Uh, I do not, so I have to actually know how to drive in it. <laughs> well, we're going to be back with another one soon. Appreciate everybody taking the time. Appreciate Rachel for stopping by and having a chat. Any last uh, parting words of wisdom here? Nope. Thanks, as always, for listening. West Ham United, three points out of a Premier, uh, Champions League place. <laughs> I'm happy for you. Thanks, Mike. <laughs>